0: We got 123 minutes of shitty movie, a full can of beer, half a pack of references to a better movie, it's dark, and we're podcasting. Hit it. Hops. And box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the New Year, loyal listener. This is the 91st episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, and the first in our Saturday Night Flops series. This is a series where we'll be examining films that are based on Saturday Night Live skits. If the intro didn't clue you in tonight, we are on a mission from Pod. We're going to be talking about the Blues Brothers 2000. Yes, not the iconic 1980s film that more than tripled its budget. Instead, we're talking about the 1998 sequel slash remake, maybe, I don't know. I, Captain Cash Blues, have hosting duties tonight. Along for the ride in the Bluesmobile are the mighty Mayor McCheese.
1: I want everyone to know that I'm the blues John Goodman, not the creepy strip club bartender John Goodman.
0: I mean, that's fair. Also is the thunderous wizard blues. I hate Illinois Nazis. We just don't get anything near that iconic in this thing. And recently converted to our cause after a rousing tent revival, Chumpzilla. The Lord works in mysterious ways. If you're drinking at home, drink every time they say the Lord works in mysterious ways. Naturally, the pod comes presented to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. You can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at hopsandboflops. Leave us a comment on what movie you'd like to hear us talk about next. If the listener wants to reach out and love you, where might you be found, Thunderous Wizard? I can be found at WriterTLK on Twitter. Mighty Mare
2: McCheese.
1: I am at HBOF McCheese, and I want to throw in there also drink anytime the four of us do a terrible Chicago accent.
0: Or just quote a line from the better Blues Brothers movie. We're going to get you guys good and drunk. Uh, and Chumpzilla, when you're not selling the dicks of the recently deceased to medical colleges, where can we
3: find your fabulous insights? You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. And listeners, I'm a little disappointed. I didn't get much of a response on my Twitter poll on whether or not Tucker Carlson looked more like Tomax or uh, Zamet from G.I. Joe. Which is the one
0: with the scar? Not that one. It's, I think that's Tomax. Uh, okay, Tomax then. And as always, I can be found at CAPTCSH on most of your social media. The beer for tonight is from Goose Island, which, like the Blues Brothers, is a Chicago staple. Tonight, we're going to be getting fancy with their yearly release of the Bourbon County Imperial Stout. This tall, dark, and beautiful beer comes flying in at 14.7 ABV. It is my fucking wheelhouse. So,
3: I will drink to that. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, indeed. And I'll steal a line from Mayor McCheese. Woo. What's the mouthfeel on that when you have to chew it? Uh, that is delicious, but holy shit, that's a wine. I mean, woo.
0: This is like you know this like a, a stemware.
1: You know when you watch the uh, more badass movies and it's always give me a shot and a brew. This is essentially a shot and a sandwich in a bottle.
0: <laughs> a shot and a sandwich and kind of a brew. I don't know. Wow, this is good though. No, I'm sorry, I, no. I, this
1: is this is a brew and a sandwich, not a shot and a sandwich. My apologies.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I, I would still sit through three movies for this beer. This is a three beer or three movie beer for me for sure. I mean, I, I don't think I'd drink more than like. Three of them over the course of the six hours, but still very good. Way too silent.
1: Well, one one qualifier is if it's this movie, you might be doing two per movie.
0: <laughs> I listen, if it's this movie, I'm gonna start drinking like three per movie in the hope that it kills me by one and a half movies. True. So let's talk about it, alright. Released in 1998, Blues Brothers 2000 is the 18-year-later sequel to the cult classic The Blues Brothers. The film has a John Belushi-sized hole where the lead should be, owing to the actor's untimely death in 1982. And in his stead, Dan Aykroyd takes up the lead, uh, reprising his character Elwood Blues. Uh, Pod favorite John Goodman is here as the Mighty Mac bartender turned Blues Brother. Uh, Joe Morton, a.k.a. Miles Dyson from T2 – uh, is the converted police commander and arguably the best singer in the band, Cab Blues. J. Evan Bonifant is the child actor they added to the band because everyone knows adding a precocious youth is what makes a movie better. Uh, nah. And then he's called Buster Blues. It doesn't matter. he's terrible. I mean, I the actor, I'm sure, is fine, but there's just there's no reason for him to be here other than studio meddling.
2: No, yeah, it's it's yeah, awful. Yeah. And every time they like cut over to him, because most of the time he's not actively in the song, and it's just him doing dance moves, It it's like, god damn it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think he has like two scenes with Dan Aykroyd in the whole movie where they make eye contact, <laughs> and the rest of the time he's either cut away for like a visual gag because he's doing something funny or sleeping in the trunk, or he's doing some of the choreographed dances. That's about it. That, he doesn't do anything to actually move the plot along, aside from he does pickpocket Miles Dyson. Aside yeah.
2: from he's the whole reason there is a plot, because the only reason the cops are after them will get there. Is but him. Yeah,
0: He's a MacGuffin. He's a living well, MacGuffin. He stole the wallet, but, you know, yeah. it's... Yeah, we'll we'll okay. get there. We'll get there. Either way, the rest so of the band, uh, the original Blues Brothers band, is back, as well as a murderer's row of musical talent, from the rhythm and blues scene like just a brief sampling of those cameos includes bb king isaac hayes aretha franklin james brown erica badu blues traveler eric clapton and just so many more there is a, a supergroup at the end of this which is basically every notable musician that's ever gotten close to rhythm and blues uh, the film was written by ackroyd and john landis uh, Landis also took up directing duties, after which he would not direct again for another 12 years. Uh, this might arguably be the worst thing John Landis has made that wasn't named Max. Well, he did murder three people, so... Again, worst thing he made, not <laughs> he made first act he's responsible for. He made death.
3: <laughs> I, I, I think the, the lesson to take away there, Thunderous wizard. Is that even though the Twilight Zone movie murdered three people, it's still better than this?
0: Oh, I'm not. Mm, <laughs> oh, definitely, two children died in that. <laughs> not, not, nope, nope, nope. Here's a funny anyway. story
2: about why John Landis sucks. Because he was acquitted for the wrongful death suit, and a year later he held a party to celebrate his acquittal, and invite and invited all the jurors who got him off.
0: Ugh. Yes. All right, well, this took a grosser turn than I meant to. Uh, So let's. We're going to push through because I'd rather dump on this movie than think about the horrible, corrupt implications of all that. This thing had a budget of $31 million uh, and only managed to bring in $14 million, uh, which destroyed plans for a trilogy. Oh no, whatever will we do? Um, You
2: shit me. They were going to make two more
0: (laughs) of these. No, they were going to make one more of these, okay. and it was going to be direct-to-video, and it was going to send the Blues Brothers to, I think, Albania, where they would have weirdly developed a cult status. I am dead serious. That was the plan.
3: No, uh, You know, that makes the ending oh. of this movie make just a hair more sense.
0: Guys, I got good news.
1: Blues Brothers 2020 coming out in six months.
3: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> well, I mean... The good news is that didn't happen, uh, and this, this thing is done. And we're we're all just gonna go back and watch the original Blues Brothers. And then after we shit on this movie for the next ninety minutes, we can we can all go back to watching the good version of it. Uh, IMDb calls this thing: Elwood must reunite the old band with a few new band members and go on another
3: mission from God. Chumzilla, what do you have for us? Blues Brothers 2000 is the most unnecessary and unwanted sequel slash reboot of all time of all time you know what i didn't i didn't get a lot of thought to that but i i bet there's a handful this would give it a run for it's it's top three for sure this is on many top 10 slash top like 25 lists of worst sequels of all time and it's definitely the most unnecessary Okay. That's, that spurs not to say separate... there couldn't be a good there could be a good sequel. Sorry, big cheese. There could be a good sequel to Blues Brothers. I'm not saying Blues Brothers is such a perfect movie that you you can't tarnish it with a sequel. No, but this version of it, of the sequel is the worst. This is the darkest timeline sequel to Blues and Brothers.
1: That's, that spurs a side conversation where I think we need to put together the ten worst and unnecessary
0: sequels and see how they fall out. Yeah, or at very least. Another series where we do completely unnecessary sequels. There you you go. Harry McCheese, uh, what's your one sentence for this?
1: My one sentence is, after being released from prison, Elwood Blues gets shanghaied with a plot child is a terrible friend, ruins a lot of lives, to complete compete in the Battle of the Bands with a literal embodiment of blues music?
0: It's not a great plan, or much of a movie, (laughs) so,
3: I mean, at least it tracks... (laughs) Well, and let's be really clear here, that Battle of the Bands angle doesn't even come until like 45 minutes to an hour in. That's not like why he gets, that's not his mission when he gets out of jail. He doesn't even learn about the Battle of the Bands until well into the movie. It's uh, a good point. Thunderous Wizard, what's
0: your one, po- one sentence? If
2: you hated Dan
0: Aykroyd for
2: ruining Caddyshack by just starring in Caddyshack too, well, he wrote this fucking thing,
0: so... And and starred in it yeah. oh my god yeah i mean just if i can go back to the imdb one sentence another mission from god that that doesn't fucking exist in this film and that's that to me is the film's biggest problem
1: the mission is they're going to get the band back together that's not that's not yeah. really it <laughs> that's
2: if their mission from god was to resurrect john belushi and they succeeded then maybe it would have mattered
1: If their mission from God was to put the band back together in order to uh, obliterate the somewhat spirit monster Erica Badu at her own Battle of the Bams, then it makes sense.
0: Erica Badu is lovely.
3: No, she's
1: awesome, but clearly she is a voodoo mistress.
3: And And she probably shares a tax account with Wesley Snipes.
2: It uh, felt very... Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny esque, like they were gonna have to battle her for their souls, but no, they were just painted green, and did like a really depressed
0: like thriller dance. Yeah, no, save it. We're (laughs) gonna get there. Oh boy, listen, my I don't have a one sentence description for this movie. All I have is this is the this movie is why I don't trust sequels that come out more than ten years later. There's just nothing here. But let's uh, let's take a deep dive into Blues Brothers Two Thousand. This film is litter. Oh God!
1: Can we not make it that deep of a dive, if possible?
0: <laughs> let's make it as shallow a dive let's, as necessary. Let's bait <laughs> up to say ankle height. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay through with this that. plot, which probably is not even. It's more like. Soul level. Yeah,
1: sorry. Sorry to cut you off, but I just no, want to no, make sure no, perfectly we don't go fine. too deep into this terrible movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this film is a complete retread of the first film. Not not just with, you know, like a couple beats here and there. It's literally the same set pieces with the same actors with almost the same songs. It's, it's not good. It's not good at all.
1: Well, and so it has... And, again, I'll, I'll admit it now. I still haven't seen the original. I didn't have time to watch it before this. But from what I've been told from you guys, it has some of the same gag pieces, like the giant car pilot.
3: Yeah. yeah like That's one yeah, Except it's, like... it's good in the first one.
1: Yeah. You're you're taking good, solid initial ideas that worked in the first movie, and you're like, that worked. One. This this is harkening back to <laughs> back yeah. New Year's Eve. That worked in the first one. Let's just do it in this one, and it'll probably be good still.
3: Hold on. Let me explain something to you, McCheese. Mm-hmm. The first... You know, the real Blues Brothers movie. I feel like this is like the Ghostbusters and the real Ghostbusters kind of a situation. In the real Blues Brothers, Carrie Fisher fires a rocket launcher. It's pretty great. It's This is yeah. a very... Well, she's pretty awesome.
2: It's a very Escape from L.A. scenario where the movie's almost virtually the same, but it does everything worse. Escape from yeah. L.A. is not nearly as bad as this. No. But... You kind of get like, oh, well, why would you just remake the movie with like updated it, visuals and worse acting
3: and slightly higher production? Yeah, value. it's
0: it's Evil Dead 2, except Evil yes. Dead 2 was good, and this is not right. I yeah, mean, at
3: this, the end this of the is day, the Monkey's Paw Wish Evil Dead 2. Right? Yeah, well, you got more money to make your movie, and you're going to try to make the first one again better, but you did it worse at every turn. Like yeah, the Thunderous Wizard said, like, as I was kind of organizing my thoughts about what I wanted
0: to say about this movie, I constantly kept going back to, just like in the first movie, this happens. Uh, but just like in the first movie, the movie opens up with, instead of Jake being released from prison, it's Elwood, uh, where we we find out Jake is dead, uh, but instead he gets picked up by a dancer who's working at one of the Blues Brothers' former associates, their drummer, Willie Hall, uh, who now runs a strip club. Uh, Willie gives Elwood a job to help him get back on his feet, and he sings, uh, "It's cheaper to keep her," which to me—and uh, we'll get into what did you think of the songs. It's the first song out of the gate, and it—it it does not work near hard enough, if you ask me.
3: Elwood, the strip club scene is
0: kind of off-putting. It's—it's it's weird. Like one of the major set pieces for the first what twenty minutes of this film is a strip club, but you've added a 10 year old child to this thing. And it feels like this movie is weirdly horny in spots like Howard the duck was like, why are you making this choice?
1: Well, and it's not even a full on strip club. I think it, and I don't know if they throttle that back for ratings or the fact that there was a child involved, but I mean, I've, I've been to a fair amount of strip clubs, not enough, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a live band. Has everyone seen a live band at, at a strip club?
0: Yeah, you, know, you don't have the Rhythm and Blues band at your strip club.
2: To be fair, in, from Dusk Till Dawn, they had a live band.
0: Well, That's, that was a good you know, movie. <laughs> <laughs> Straight
3: yeah, Straight off. Well, and to your point, McCheese, they do take the kid off the board pretty quickly. I mean, they give him a PB&J, and next thing you know, he's, oh, he's sleeping in the back. Yeah, it's fine. Well, so...
0: To how do we get to the kid? Ella meets up with the Penguin, the nun from the first movie, um, formerly sister, now mother, Mary Stigmata, uh, who works at a hospital uh, because the orphanage that the Blues Brothers were trying to save from the original movie has been shut down, which retroactively makes the Blues Brothers depressing, and that that fucking pisses me off about this film. Uh, like When they're like, yeah, the orphanage shut down. You mean after the whole Blues Brothers movie and the thing... And the mission from God just didn't didn't go through. Okay, cool. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. Fuck this movie. Uh, Either way, she acts as an exposition dump telling Elwood that Curtis, who was Jake and Elwood's sort of surrogate father figure, has died but has left an illegitimate son whose name is Cable Chamberlain, who is now an Illinois state police commander. Uh, She also introduces Elwood to that 10-year-old who is named Buster, and she's like, okay, yeah, mentor him mentor him you're you're giving a 10 year old child to a a felon just out of prison with no job prospects
1: yeah the dude the dude you've already hit twice because he can't stop swearing and literally what does he say later in the movie he's got five felonies you're just going to be like here's a 10 year old um
3: mentor him it'll be fine get him ready for
1: the real world
3: yeah I'll, i'll jump in i think you know a quick way to summarize our our feelings and general thoughts here is that this movie, at many, many turns, just makes no sense. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens because I guess it just happens? Yeah, motivations aren't clear. Cause and effect isn't always a thing. <laughs> it's just kind of, the movie just has to keep bobbing along. Yep, it's just, it. it's gonna happen.
0: This movie's gonna happen, whether, whether you want it or not. Uh, so Elwood does track down Cable at the police headquarters and informs him of his real father, asks him to join the blues band, and then asks him for $500, uh, to which Cable throws his ass out on the street, somewhat understandably.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, what you would, that's what you would do as the police chief, is say, I don't even know how he got a meeting with him, but you'd be like, get the fuck out of my office, you (laughs) crazy person.
0: Right now. Get out of here. Honestly, this is the one thing that makes the most sense in this film. Uh, But in doing so, Buster pickpockets Cable, uh, stealing his wallet, and I guess police commissioners carry around $500 in their wallet. They carry
1: around the exact amount of money that is being asked for the plot.
0: The Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah. So does poor script writing. (laughs) Convenient. So convenient. Uh, So he does... Elwood does buy a new bluesmobile, a beat-up old cop car, um, and we learn that Willie's bar is getting shook down, shaken down by the Russians. Uh, so Elwood enlists Mighty Mac to, I guess, get one over on the Russians by knocking them out and leaving them in an alley without their clothes. Yeah,
1: this is the dumb one of well, a lot of the, there's a lot of dumb parts in this movie, but this is the dumbest part. It, the, there's a racket going on here, a protection racket. And if Elwood thinks that only these two are shaking them down with no one above them and that taking their clothes and nothing else is really going to put them off, he's the dumbest five time felon.
2: Well, it does give us like one of the only moments I truly enjoyed from the movie where he's like, oh, don't worry about them. They're not going to be a problem anymore. And then he goes into this long diatribe about like post Soviet era Russia. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's neat, but that's not that's, them. They they are literally I they're the, they're just a Russian version of the Italian mafia. I it was the only <laughs> yes. part
2: where I was like, "Oh, that's kind of clever." That that whole little set there. Yeah. And,
1: and also when when we get introduced to the whole Russian shtick, like either go full boat on the like the 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 offensive Russian angle or throttle it back and make them look honest. Don't go halfway where they show the scene, and, like, they're all smoking and, ex- like, exhaling at the same exact time, and they have maybe the worst fake Russian accents of all time, but not – it's, like, it's not quite all the way there to be a parody, but it's not quite to truth. It's in the middle, and it even, makes it more annoying.
3: <laughs> yeah, you can tell they're trying to be funny there, but it's not funny. And again I – mean, I,
1: I- Either go whole hog or make it true.
3: Yeah, everything this movie does that is trying to
2: replicate the original is done far, far worse.
0: Yeah. So instead of Nazis, you get communists. But there yeah. are Nazis too. So. But there, yeah, I mean, there are <laughs> it, white supremacists. It's a homegrown kind. Yeah.
1: It, it yeah. does give it does give me one of my favorite SNL actors of all time. I'm glad he's here.
0: All right. We'll we'll get to him when when he shows up. Uh, but. It, Predictably, this goes terribly for them, but not before Mighty Mac uh, gets to do his song, which is Looking for a Fox, which I actually think is a pretty decent number. John Goodman is a good singer, uh, but then the Russians burn down the club. <laughs> Can we just uh, state for the record that Captain Cash
2: owns the soundtrack to this movie? So his opinion on these god awful <laughs> music pieces Listen. is void.
0: That is I'm, what I'm, I'm very you. happy to be a, the Blues Brothers apologist on the pod. He also
1: I, owns the video game.
0: I do, through an emulator. I have an arcade. And, and uh, uh, don't explain case. it, you own it. That's true. That's Did entirely true. Also, Check our social for that. Yeah, You bought it
2: specifically for the Nintendo 64 <laughs> version of Blues through. Brothers I was 2000. I real
0: hard. That's just true. Uh, mm-hmm. So the good news of the Russians burning down the strip club is it means Willie and Mac are free to join the band. So they're getting the band back together.
3: <laughs> Wait, that, can, get... can we just quickly address a couple of things at this juncture? Sure. Um, one, John Goodman's well, wardrobe for his dance routine. Like he's wearing dad jeans and a flannel shirt. To oh, do I his, know his it... musical number. I'm sorry. I feel like that needed a costume change <laughs> at a <the> bare minimum. <laughs> like,
2: well, he had just was, gotten a off uh, the set of Roseanne, so there's no time yeah, for very to change. You know, just
0: sharing yeah, like a soundstage. Gone. Just wear whatever you're wearing; it's fine. Yeah, just he come just on He walked over. from one. He
1: walked from one studio across the street to the other.
3: Yep. <laughs> and then the note that Elwood leaves for the Russians with the oh, two Jesus. guys who gets drunk. What the fuck was that about? I was expecting that to. Okay, is that going to come up again? No, nope. it's just the masked Avenger and a crudely. Drawn skull and crossbones with sunglasses on it?
0: <laughs> like, yeah. What?
3: There's, again, there's so much of this movie that neither <laughs> makes sense nor comes up again. It's not funny. It wasn't clever. It wasn't like a sight gag. It's just like, well, that's a weird thing that happened. Moving on. <laughs> anyway. So, like, and the people who made this movie, like Dan Aykroyd and John Landis? I, what? What? Well, and I like John Goodman too, and he does sing well. But he has zero like oh, yeah, jokes, they... or I mean, it'll come up later in the movie. But they do nothing with Goodman. He's just kind of like up. 0 there they... with a couple they... of quips. He has a couple of quips, but they're not funny or. And some of his dialogue is literally just like totally procedural. Like, well, I guess we better go now. And, that kind and of like... stuff. And I don't I mean this say. by a
1: size thing, but like for a man of his stature, like what he can actually bring to the table, he is so underutilized.
3: Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at what he does in The Big Lebowski. Like he carried a lot came of scenes. Out the in Same that
0: year movie. as this film.
2: Yes, yeah. it was pretty clear they didn't know how to address uh, the Belushi, Belushi, Belushi being gone, so what yeah. they did was they created a whole bunch of characters to try and tr- fill one void, but. It's sort of like in sports, so uh Captain Cash won't get this. Nope. Uh when you trade a superstar player for a bunch of like role players, they can't do what the superstar player did. So it's not gonna work. Like, oh we got three players for one. Yeah, but they all they're not as good,
3: so and Yeah, you but can't the, necessarily use them all at the same time. Yeah.
1: But if you if you're gonna go down that path, Thunderous Wizard. This is like trading the giant superstar for one superstar and a whole bunch of cast and then telling that superstar to sit on the bench which is what they did with Goldman yeah. where they're like alright, here's your seven <laughs> Golden? lines. Goldman? God damn it. <laughs> <you>
2: Goldman. <goodness>. Goldman <laughs> <laughs> was electric in this movie, I'll have you know.
1: <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Damn it. Alright. Uh, I mean, that's what they did with him. They told him to sit on the bench and they gave him nothing and it shows. He, he
2: yeah. could have been. Between him and that kid. That you know, he could have been the charismatic entity they needed so desperately because Aykroyd just looks like tired. Like,
0: oh, yeah, it's like he doesn't Dan, even want to be like, here. Well, I
3: don't the know if this is, is
0: a
1: conversation we want to have now, but that's a conversation we need to have. Yeah, this pod.
0: let's let's save that for the end and then let's get through the rest of this plot. I'm doing finger quotes,
3: yeah, uh, just a series of loosely connected musical numbers, I think. yeah a placeholder for a plot.
0: Yeah. So we get the musical number, same as from the first movie, where they go to recruit Matt Guitar Murphy and Blue Lou Marini against Aretha Franklin, uh, who is Murphy's wife, against her better judgment. She sings respect. Uh, and Again. then, up, yeah, well, no, she sang think before. No, oh, think, whatever. Now it's respect. They're both one word Aretha Franklin songs that she's very famous for. Uh, they recruit three members from a radio station who just agree, and it's well, fine. that's
3: a fantastic scene. That's the best scene in the movie. That's really? Three characters just saying exactly what they need to say to get the scene to end. <laughs> I think that's Elwood. I think I recognize that voice.
1: Yeah, it's the best because it ends the quickest. <laughs> also, I, wanna, I, I don't want to... This is going to come off rude, but I love Aretha Franklin. She,
3: I don't think she can act.
0: I... You know, she does a good job in the first movie. And yes, in this movie. go back
3: and watch the first movie. And, and oh, yes. Yeah. So maybe maybe I'm going to yeah. go yeah. wrong.
1: Maybe I have nothing I to compare it to because all I've ever seen her do is sing. But,
3: yeah, this is – She's pretty good in the first one.
2: Everything is inspired in the first movie. And here it's just people going through the motions like, hey, do you want to do gotta, this you got to
1: remember I haven't seen the first movie, so yeah. I'm coming in blind. Yeah, no, no. Well, no that's it's, true. It's fair. That's
3: fair. No, and I'm hey, I McCheese, mean, I've got some uh, <clears throat> ideas for the end of the uh, plot summary that could have made this movie better. And I, I think you've hit on something that's lacking. Yeah. Well, so, anyway. so mm-hmm.
0: they also go to recruit Mr. Fabulous, the horn player, who instead of being a maitre d', now he's a, a high-end funeral director. Because sure, why not? Um, and actually, here's where I got the one laugh uh, out of this where they do the same gag they did the last time with Mr. Fabulous, where they just insult the patrons, Uh, and John Goodman gets in a, and what about his dick? You sold it to the medical school. I actually, that is the one time I laughed watching this. It was, I was like, where is this John Goodman for the rest of the movie? Uh, And then finally, they go get Murphy Dunn, uh, who joins after his boss at the sex phone hotline call center, says okay. And we get the <laughs> eight six seven five three oh nine or what is it? Eight <laughs> I'm sorry, hang on, I'll get it. It's it's six three seven five four eight nine is the song we get there. Anyway, <laughs> so they're off. Uh the band has to travel to New Orleans to audition to be part of a battle of the bands. Uh which seems needlessly complicated. They can't just be part of the Battle of the Bands. They have to audition to be part of Battle of the Bands. Fine, whatever. Uh, the band is pursued by Cable and the Illinois and Indiana State police, who are now looking for Elwood because of the, you know, the the wallet, but also, you know, he may have kidnapped a 10-year-old. Uh, while avoiding the police, we run smack dab into a whole bunch of white supremacists, uh, which we get Mayor McCheese's favorite SNL actor. Who's who's here?
1: Oh, Daryl Hammond shows up. I goddamn love him.
0: He's, he's good. Uh, yeah, so he's the leader of the white supremacists. They managed to blow up one of their boats, which now has the white supremacists after them. And For again, sure, I don't,
1: don't want to go too far down and off the road, but they give him nothing to do. Like, he's a hysterical dude, and they don't give him shit to do. Like, he does a good part in what he needs to do, but it's not, I mean, they could have really used him better.
3: Oh, well, yeah. I, I think, again, to compare to the Nazis from... The, the the real Ghostbusters movie, uh, no, from the first Blues Brothers, yeah, they were more of a comic relief and they kind of had a bigger impact. Whereas well, yeah, they I mean, don't, they don't give uh, Daryl Hammond's crew of flunkies much to do, and presumably he's killed in that scene, yes, right? Because yeah. the, it, it appears as though a boat has been dropped from like you know a hundred feet onto his head, um, inexplicably. But he made it- but it didn't. It with it enough did.
2: explosive to like level several major city blocks, and yet all of them survive.
1: Listen, you're expecting the plot to make sense. I mean, if yeah. you've watched one car flip in this thing, the plot's not going to make any fucking sense.
0: Yeah, the the problem with this this is that they have split the Illinois Nazi part between the Russians and the white supremacists, and neither of them get enough screen time to be funny or no. Yep. but in any case, uh, as they run away, uh, we get a cameo from Blues Traveler, mostly so they can sing "Maybe I'm Wrong," uh, which the band just isn't there for. It literally, they're like, "Hey, well, I got a John Popper shows up, and is like, I got a band, you want to jam?" And we just get like a Blues Traveler video.
3: Video, yeah, that was like a really weird setup. Like he comes up, uh, John Popper comes up and introduces himself to Elwood, and you know, asks him to come watch his band and. Elwood's like, oh yeah, kid, sure, and then he's like, and then he dips. Yep, Dip, let's go. <laughs> and then you still, you don't follow yeah. the main characters. You get a blues traveler video. Cause why not? Cause why not? Cause uh, in a movie that's over two hours long, that's what we really needed.
2: <laughs> Boy, those guys have come a long way since they were playing on the Amish farm. <laughs> Goodbye, brother Munson. Goodbye, whore.
0: <laughs> uh. Uh, we also get a brief stopover at a diner, which brings back the character Bob from Bob's Country Bunker from the first movie, only so they can skip on the check, and there's this fucking puff ball. Uh, I just, it, it's, it, uh, it's a dumb set piece that exists for no fucking reason other than to go, you remember this guy from the last movie? Anyway.
3: Yeah, they try so hard to make a joke there, and it's uh, painfully not funny. Yeah. It, I
1: mean, Is it supposed to be there so we just understand early on in the movie that the cops are completely inept and they can't catch one
0: car? Sort of. I think that's part of it. Uh, So then we we get to the monster truck rally where it turns out the Blues Brothers have been booked as the Bluegrass Brothers uh, much in the same way They stole the gig uh, from the last movie, and we get Ghost Riders in the Sky, which I actually happen to think is one of the better numbers. Okay, Uh, fuck no, and that's not bluegrass. It's not bluegrass at all. It's not bluegrass at all, at all.
2: I did enjoy it, but then inexplicably, uh, skeleton horses
0: emerge from the clouds... We get the titular Ghost Riders in the sky. Yep, their faces gone. Is their eyes are blurred. What,
3: what the hell gone. is that? Why,
0: like, what? Who justified spending that money? Like, I like <laughs> that's the thing that blows my. You know what the set piece is missing? CGI skeleton cows and cowboys. Yep, and uh, with fire. Oh no, we get the cow layering cowboys layering out of their nostrils.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I will say I liked that song probably the best. Yeah, I liked the entire song. movie, if you will, but. When the when the storm clouds started rolling in, I was like, "Oh, here we go. This is going to be stupid." And then the skeleton horses showed up, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that stupid." I like well,
3: so. Is the audience seeing that? Is that just for us? Is this is the audience in the theater or at home? Yeah. Like, so yeah,
0: this is a great like, question. Is it diegetic or non-diegetic? Is that simply is that like we're supposed to get we as the audience get it, and we just ex- assume that the rest of the the people there Aren't seeing that, I think I feel like if suddenly a bunch of skeletal horses and cows appeared in the sky, everyone
3: would freak the fuck out and leave. It, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. I don't, gonna, I don't gonna know gonna if inter- you've been watching the news lately.
3: That's fair point. <laughs> yeah. 2020, that'd be part for the course. Oh, it's the four it's the
0: four oh, riders of the apocalypse. Hunt. All right, fine. Yeah. yeah. No, I I never thought I'd die this way, but you know,
3: I always kinda hoped. Death rides a pale horse. Um so What really drives me nuts about this movie is that it's in the nineties, okay, you've just inexplic excuse me, you've just inexplicably gotten a blues traveler video, and yet they decide to have them ape the musical style bluegrass, as opposed to being like grunge or something topical and more funny. Like it would have it would have been a bigger stretch. It's the nineties. It, it would have been no, even that... dated at this point because it's late nineties, but still they could have made this more contemporary and it would have been funnier, but just going from like country in the first movie to bluegrass in the second movie, it's like, uh, it's, and they don't even do bluegrass. They do another country song. You're a hundred percent right. That would have been better, but this movie's not working that hard. And they're wearing ZZ top beards. <laughs> They even question it in the movie. He's like, "Hey, what's with the ZZ Top beards? We're supposed to be bluegrass," and they're just kind of
2: like, "Hmm." And they, (laughs) you know, they go on stage without the beards on, so the crowd is fully aware they don't have beards. But if that's what makes you most (laughs) angry about the movie, I find the title to be the most offensive thing about the movie because the movie came out in nineteen ninety-eight.
0: This is—is this a Sega Genesis game? Everything was two (laughs) K back then. It doesn't
3: fucking matter. Blues Brothers twenty seventy-seven. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but in it's clearly case, unfinished and buggy.
0: Yeah, they're they're on on their way to the next stop. The Bluesmobile runs out of fuel, and Buster gets to give his like
3: his other whoa, reason. Whoa whoa, 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 hold on, stop, rewind. Can we just quickly talk about Dan Aykroyd's head in the center console? So
0: they have to sneak into the location, and they dress down the vehicle, which they have painted white, which is. They explicitly say. Off camera. Hold on,
3: camera. Hold, on for,
1: hold on for the listener. We may have killed the thunderous wizard with that last comment because I forgot about that scene. I was on mute and laughing. And I think the thunderous wizard have <laughs> thrown up on his floor.
2: Where the fuck is he supposed to be?
1: It's just, it's just his nose to his jaw somehow <laughs> below the dash, da- like trim. where you would no, have a it, where you it, have, it, have the radio.
3: Tray. He's in the yeah, engine yeah, block. So, so, listeners, there was a time in which cars came and with the center console ashtray like the size of an inner <laughs> a dinner plate. That is a real thing. It's,
0: it's a choice that gets made, but is that less dumb than the scene
3: before it in which the car was the submarine? <laughs>
2: yes, it's, you know, it's more dumb than ever.
1: But no, now it, it's it. the
3: submarine actually works in the Blues Brothers it's um, so uh, continuity. that that actually works that's just dumb enough and it's subtle enough that works that fits the blues brothers that would have made sense in the first movie i choked really badly I, I,
1: I actually completely forgot about that until Trump brought it up and even during the scene because this took me a, a handful of watches today i was like where's this fucking body is it in the engine is he folded over he's like
0: straddling he's like right under the hood straddling the end i can i can Fine.
1: ignore ghost i guess ghost pirates ghost raiders i don't even know
0: they're cowboys te- they're, they're the wild hunt they I, the the go- I can
1: ignore the ghost <laughs> i can ignore I can ignore the pale horse of death ascending on a, on a country fair. I can ignore the submarine car which cannot operate, but I cannot ignore. fucking <laughs> can Dan Aykroyd folded over, and then his mouth is showing up underneath <laughs> the CD player. Be like, "No, keep going."
2: <laughs> and, then, and then he's got a friggin' remote control for the entire car.
3: It's, oh, that just,
2: it's just clearly
3: just the toy RC car that just
2: splits control. the crowd like the Red Sea, pops open the doors, and they just go on their merry way. Yeah, he,
1: he doesn't accidentally run over anyone to add to his felony
0: total. <laughs> oh,
3: okay, I am so sorry, Captain Cash. <laughs> no, please, no, please it's fine.
0: I'm, all I'm trying to do is, is end this thing. And there's like three <laughs> more set pieces we have to talk about.
1: No, this is the best. We, just, oh. we should we should really pause here to do a shot.
3: So the police as much as I want to tell the listener not to watch this movie, I almost feel like you know everyone should. Yeah,
1: I think we can carve out 20 minutes that's worth watching right in a row where it's a lot of what the fuck moments that you can do shots <laughs> while you watch it. But like, I mean, let's let's we got to steamroll through the rest of this because give yeah,
0: us the and box office flops cut. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't. I don't know if it
1: gets. Hey. Much, it doesn't get much better than that stretch, but there's still a lot of ridiculous shit that happens.
2: It feels like we can find a GIF of his face in the cigarette ashtray. Yeah, yes,
1: that has to be that has to be on the social. That can't be that hard to
0: make, frankly.
1: That face in the dashboard has to be on the social.
0: All right, we follow the band to a tent revival, uh, where the cops catch up with them, where Elwood's old friend, the Reverend Clefus James, as played by the Godfather of fucking soul, James Brown himself. Is preaching, just just like he did in the first movie. It's fine, though. Uh, Either way, Cabell shows up there, and before he can arrest them, he has a religious epiphany, which shoots him hundreds of feet in the sky, where he gets a, I guess we call it magical costume change, into a Blues Brothers dark hat, glasses, and black suit, white shirt, black tie. And he decides he's going to join the band as cab blues. So we got one more leak.
3: Listeners singer. in McCheese, to those who haven't seen the good Blues Brothers movie, this parallels a spiritual awakening in Jake Blues, the aforementioned John Belushi. Yeah, but the trade-off is that happens
0: in the first five minutes of the Blues Brothers movie. So right off the bat, you get James Goddamn Brown
3: versus and and supernatural forces inspiring our two protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas here it's just it's just a change of it's literally just a change of heart. And he just he decides to join the band. Okay. I mean great. Welcome to the band. Cab blues.
1: I'm taking two seconds here for one. And the other that whole scene, the only thing I could see was the terrible CGI hole in the tent that he flies out of and then somehow drifts back into on his way back into the tent.
3: I mean, yeah, that's that's called the the soul hole, I and mean, that's a standard. That's a yeah. standard opening on all. It's a all, standard church uh, thing. It's a standard tent revival. Yeah, you, uh, you
0: want that's you cool. want a soul hole. You don't want people just flying up against the tent. You
3: can sometimes take the whole tent with them. Never good. You, you never know when someone's going to ascend to a higher plane. So that's so, that's a standard.
0: Feature.
1: So what you're telling me is you always want to leave your soul hole open. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Yes.
0: For I'll the Lord. For the Lord. Per the Lord. Yes. Uh, anyway. And the, for uh, the Lord. Yes. The band continues on to their next booking, which is a tryout for the Battle of the Bands put on by Queen Musette, an allegedly 130 year old cannibalistic voodoo witch, as played by a
3: very comely Erica Badu. Yeah, and the most unrealistic part of this movie is that uh, Erica Badu's character shows up on time. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Uh, Anybody, you guys aren't familiar (laughs) with uh, Erica Badu's uh, reputation? She tends to not show up to her gigs for a good hour or so.
2: Well, it takes a long time to eat children, to so <laughs> can't
3: that's, just that's true. can't
2: get to can't get to a concert gig when you're busy eating somebody's thigh.
3: <laughs>
2: Listen, you
1: can't rush
0: style. Is what we're trying to say. You can't rush yeah. style. I'll tell you, you know? what:
1: if eating children makes me look like Erica Badu, count me in.
3: Maybe I'm in. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and and I, I will say this: she does give it. 110 percent oh, no. is that oh yeah great?
1: she does great in this
3: she's yeah. good uh but i'm not sure her character makes play... any sense in the movie but she gives no. it 110 percent.
1: no not at all unnecessary I, and I, her powers as, are oh, ridiculous oh,
3: oh, oh, oh.
0: she makes as much sense as everything else in this movie
1: <laughs> she's necessary to end the movie she's not necessary for the movie
3: it, you know what the only reason i'll say you're wrong captain cash is because this battle of the bands has zero consequences it's oh, yeah, just I mean, an excuse to get Eric Clapton, B.B. King, and Bo Diddley on the same stage. Other than that, it like has no like ramifications in the movie. Again, I feel
0: like that's indicative of this whole film. There's no point. But Erika Badu requests that they play something Caribbean, <laughs> which weirdly Elwood objects to. <laughs> which I'm like... You've just played a country song. You go into this big diet. He goes into this long diatribe about we've done all these kinds of different music, but we're not going to do Caribbean. And then she, Erica Badu, just uses her voodoo magic and zaps them and turns them into zombies and they sing Funky Nassau. It is not now or ever will be in our
3: repertoire. Which I'm like, why? (laughs) And I'm sorry, is that song even vaguely Caribbean? Yeah, that's the thing I was with.
1: That's the thing I was questioning, is that doesn't sound Caribbean at all.
0: <laughs> I didn't hear a single steel drum. I they, they broadly reference yeah. a place in the Bahamas.
1: They could, yeah, they talk about Ooh. Nassau during a funk song, and apparently that's Caribbean.
2: Shouldn't they have played the song from Weekend at Bernie's Two since all of them had
3: turned into Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's two? <laughs> I don't point. know. I don't know. But they start off green and then we get line dancing cowboys. Again, is I don't. I'm not picking up the Caribbean theme.
0: Well, the line dancing cowboys are technically Erica Badu's guards for some I reason.
1: Say, I would say manservants because if you're Erica Badu, you're getting manservants.
0: You've got manservants. That's servants. a good point. Yeah, no, but, I. But, yeah. I don't
1: know why she's got fifteen of them covering the front entrance, but whatever.
0: But they're neither. Because release, she's got just a bunch of them. Yeah, fifteen front entrance. U fifteen back entrance.
3: And you and you fifteen dancing Probably. um so again uh, they're entrance. neither cajun nor are they caribbean they are clearly western hollywood cowboys and they're line dancing I, that whole scene makes no sense that that's the weakest no, by far because her entire house
2: her mansion, her weird cannibalistic mansion, where certainly blood sacrifices are happening, looks like a section of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And then you get in, and all her guards are cowboys. Mm-hmm. Let me say, if I was erica Badu, wait,
3: where man, is yeah, we're doing do do any, any different? different. That's no, what I was that's about, about to
1: say, should we should we go to our pirates expert, Captain Cash, to find out how? what was it like a half chub or a full chub when you saw this?
0: <laughs> I mean, three <laughs> okay. quarters. Let's uh. <laughs> Three quarters. Eric like, Badu do is a I get good that that house? costume.
1: Eric Badu, get that house, that Scarlight, a bunch of cowboys. You, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things happening there for you.
0: What's what's <laughs> not to want?
1: As i say, if there was pirate treasure in a big ship, you're a hundred percent in.
0: I listen. I'd have sold my soul long ago, sir. <laughs> long ago, uh, so exactly and, twenty-two and years it, ago, I'd have cashed out.
3: Yeah. So why do zombies go from being green during their performance to like? gray after they're it, done because they were
0: they were frozen
1: until the next performance
3: yes which we get oh my god let, let we're gonna power through
0: to the end of this and just, yes
1: let's finish this then
0: we're taking a break so the spell doesn't wear off they they just freeze and then now we're at the battle of the bands where we get the super group of blues mu- musicians the louisiana gator boys who play how blue can you get and as previously mentioned This is B.B. King, Eric Clapton, Isaac Hayes, Bo Diddley, Coco Taylor, Travis Tritt, just fucking everybody who got within breathing distance. of Dr.
1: John, the the saxophone dude from, um, what's his face's band? Um, God damn it. What is his name? It's killing me now.
3: Dr. Teeth, the Muppet band?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish that would have been kind of, that would not have been out of place. Like if Dr. Teeth, and the electric panic showed up it would be completely in context <laughs> the amount of the amount well. of
1: actual blue stars in that band is insane i mean that's where they spent all of that money
3: i hope so i'd like to point out that all the musicians get you know stage names or character names in the movie except for eric clapton <laughs> they just call him eric because I'm pretty sure he's like, yeah, no, nah, fuck it, just call me Eric. Yeah, but Eric. Is, I'm not Eric doing is this good. goofy shit. Yeah,
1: anyone good. knows him, soon, they're like, oh shit, that's Eric Clapton. And if they don't, they'll be like, oh, that dude's good at guitar, and then they'll go look it up.
3: <laughs> yeah. And he's also wearing just wearing like a suburban dad short sleeve shirt. No, no, that's shirt. what
1: <laughs> that's what Clapton looks like nonstop.
3: Yeah, no, he did not go to wardrobe for that. He just showed up. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm He just wearing. walked
1: on set and started ripping on a guitar. This is
3: good, right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, right, no, thanks, yeah, Eric. No, thanks hey, Eric. You're, you're yeah, perfect. Cool. Yeah, so
0: they play that. The Blues Brothers play Turn On Your Love Light. Uh, And then based on applause, the winner of the Battle of the Bands is rightly the fucking Blues super team, not the Blues Brothers. Uh, And then, I guess, the Russians and the white supremacists show up at the same time. Uh, The voodoo queen uses her abilities to literally turn them into rats. So, hey, no problem anymore.
3: Of the four realms.
0: Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say... Oh, my God. They all uh, kind of conglomerated together as their own super. Never mind. No, we're moving forward. Uh, (laughs) The cops also show up. At this point, Elwood now leaves with Buster, pursued by the police. And we get the exit song, uh, New Orleans, where the Blues Brothers and the Louisiana Gator Boys jam together. And that also gives us the outro to the credits. In, in, the end of the movie.
1: In the, be, in the best and the dumbest explanation ever, where they're like, "Oh, why are you in trouble? Oh, because um, you kidnapped me." And he goes, "I can't kidnap you if I or no, you can't kidnap me if I kidnapped you." And then they leave together. I'm like, Fuck, "Really?"
3: The well, end. They, they they attempt to have like a an emotional closure there, where the kid's like, "Hey, don't send me back. Well, no, no, just going to put me into foster care." Like, yeah. I'd rather oh stay God. with you. I I, I I do look up to you now. So it's, all, it's it's almost touching, but it's not because they haven't done anything this entire movie to make you think that they cared about each other until they try to cram it all into that one scene at the very end.
0: Yeah, but how about that blues super band, though?
3: That was pretty great, you guys. Which is probably their whole reason Dan Aykroyd did this movie. Oh, I know. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So, yeah, 100%. You know what would
0: be great is if I could, like, jam with, like, all of these fucking guitar legends it would be fucking awesome how do i get you to pay for that let's
3: let's make sure we come back to that when we come back from the break because i think it's important to to recognize just exactly why this thing even exists to begin with
0: yeah it is
3: because dan Aykroyd loved the blues yeah so let's take a quick break when we come back we're
0: going to talk about how many beers you need to enjoy this movie a handful of questions good stuff Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, folks. We are talking Blues Brothers 2000. Blues Brothers? Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Welcome to our show. These are the kind of drinks and things we do. Blues Brothers gets harder to say if you've drank at least one and some change of a 14 and a half pint of beer. Anyway, speaking of beers, we're going to talk about how many beers it took us to enjoy this movie. Mayor cheese, Mighty Mayor Cheese Blues, how many beers do you need to enjoy the Blues Brothers 2,000?
1: I mean, it comes in long. It's it's over two hours long.
0: Well, like three minutes.
1: And, and more than enough for a terrible movie.
0: And they do expect you to sit through the credits because they, they're playing stuff through the and credits. And
1: it's not even enjoyable terrible. I mean, this is, again, all pain beers, and I'm going to go Shit, I'm in in a four to five range unless someone convinces me otherwise. Like, I don't need a solid six because, I don't know, now I'm kind of backtracking. I'm going to go four or five to start with. I might bump that up to six depending on your guys' votes because the first 20 to 30 minutes of this movie is tolerable, and that's not even a quarter of it.
0: (laughs) I think that's funny because I I disagree. I feel like the first 20 minutes are the slowest bit, but Chumzilla, let's, let's hear how many beers you need.
3: Well, I think you need to frame this in the context, McCheese. You haven't seen the original Blues Brothers, the good one. Also true. I don't think you feel the same amount of disappointment anguish that the rest of us feel watching this pile of shit. This is easily a six-beer movie, and those are all pain beers. This movie is not funny. It's poorly edited. The plot is completely nonsensical, and it's over two hours long. And it feels... Like it's way over two hours long. It just drags. Well, I mean, that's what, that's what,
1: that's what, I mean, it took me, a, I only watched it today and it took me fucking forever to get through it. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of kids to take care of, but even still, I'd watch it for 10, 15 minute stretches and then be like, God damn it, this is awful. I'm going to go do literally anything else.
2: Thunderous Wizard? Yeah. It, I just don't know why this was made it's a 6 movie uh when i was a kid i remember it was coming out i was a teenager but i was like oh dad like we can watch this you you always talk about how great the blues brothers is he's like no no we're we're not watching that i was like well why not he's like that there's no reason for that to exist we're not going to watch that and then you do watch it and you understand why and i do remember seeing this years ago and thinking like, "Holy shit, this is terrible! <laughs> what the hell is going on
0: here?" Look, it's six, six. I, as a person who at one point had his life's goal to own a bluesmobile, this is a four-beer movie for me. I don't. It's not good. It's not good. But I, I really, really like the Blues Brothers, and. It's really cool to see all these blues legends all in one place singing together. That's really neat. And in nineteen ninety eight, that wasn't a thing that just happened.
1: I'm upgrading mine to six because I don't want to be anywhere near Captain Cash after That's that statement. Fair. Listen, I
2: I think you're wearing some rose colored glasses because you've been jamming to the soundtrack all I, day like a total dipshit playing the N sixty four
0: game on your okay, arcade. To be machine. fair. The N64 game does not have the soundtrack. It just has, like, MIDI files of, like, four of the songs. It's, like, Respect, She Caught the Katie, <laughs> like, which isn't even on this soundtrack. So are
1: you going to get us the 8-bit music video of Respect, or do we have to sit around in our hands?
0: I'm sorry, it's 64 bits. Thank you.
1: And uh,
2: yeah,
0: I-, uh, I watched a lot of
2: gameplay today for no real reason, and- it's a f- it is, far cry away from sixties. It
0: it's so bad. I like, <laughs> I spent like fifteen minutes playing it. I, I couldn't I couldn't I just stopped. I was so angry. I don't I don't know why anyone would. I, I don't right. understand how you would get this license for a video game property. I and why would you again? The nineties were a lawless time. Sometimes that's just how it goes. Well, real yeah. quick,
1: fill us in because the picture you texted over it looks like it's a. Random tiny blonde dude, and nobody who looks like any of the Blues Brothers. No, is no, the no,
0: they're kid. there. Uh, so you play as Elwood, and you have—the the tiny blonde dude is Buster, and you eventually yeah. find Mighty Mac. Oh,
1: okay, because he looks
0: like a teenager, so I was but, confused when you sent that picture. Like, the, 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 the entire thing is— Garbage? It's, it's like Mario 2, right? Where they just added it later, and kind of only vaguely
3: made it make sense. I've read through so, the uh, the notes here, Captain Cash. So let's, let's take a, a small break here and discuss why Blues Brothers is a thing. Because as you mentioned, it is sort of interesting to see a movie in the modern era that basically brings together a collection of musical uh, stars and legends from a specific genre or a few genres. And they come together and, and they show up in a movie and do some music together. Um, that doesn't happen all the time. You know? No. Yeah, we get the we we get the chick from Glee showing up in New Year's Eve with Bon Jovi, but that's not the same thing, right? This is this is legit, those were legit icons that showed up in this movie. And that again carries over from the first movie, which carries over from an old SNL skit. Because there was an episode of the old SNL back in the 70s where John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd were the musical guests as the Blues brothers. And they did soul man and another song they were the musical guests for that episode and what had happened was that dan Aykroyd had grown up with the blues and was a bit of a musician got john belushi turned on to it and he got really big into the blues as well and they decided they'd form a band and and apparently Aykroyd even and rented out did. a club and the, he kept instruments around and people would jam out paul schaefer who also shows up in the erica badu scene who you might recognize as the band leader from SNL for several years, and then the band leader for Letterman. Uh, David Letterman. Yeah. David Letterman, also sort of in this circle, he was friends with lots of musicians, including Warren Zevon, good friend of his. Letterman appears on a few of his records. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so there's this whole community of like musicians and artists that all kind of got together, sort of around that Second City Chicago scene and then the SNL scene. So, you know, eventually, Aykroyd and Blueshe were able to turn their skit into that 1980 Movie, uh, that became a cult hit, and you know it's this whole thing was really born out of those guys' love for blues music. Yeah, no, that's completely correct. So there's the history. And
0: then 18 years later, at any cost, Dan Aykroyd Uh, decided
3: he's going to do it again. Uh, Yeah, and I just what I don't get about this movie is, is a sequel. It doesn't up the stakes. It doesn't up the ante. Like it it, literally it, it. just repeats the movie which is not
0: a good like i don't know that we'll ever wind up talking about die hard 2 right die harder but that's what this is
1: But one that's that's
3: way
0: way worse
1: (laughs) i don't think that's what die hard 2 was called
3: no 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 it
2: is it's die it's die harder is it literally
3: die hard 2 so this is i'll talk
1: about the movie any day of the week over this movie
3: yeah yeah no i I go back to the comparison with evil dead 2 this is like the the worst case scenario for evil dead 2 it's like hey we've got more money let's expand on our ideas let's do some let's let's do it bigger and better this time but they don't it's not bigger it's not better you don't see any of that money on the screen the sets look cheap
2: yeah, they did. Guys, we did what this is on the pod. It's Speed 2. <sighs> you remade a movie and you lost the star.
1: Well, and at the same time, what actually is now kind of flashing in my mind after listening to Chumpzilla, is this almost a, like a dick move by Dan Aykroyd, because you and your best friend set up this skit, and you got this cult following, you became friends with all these people, and your best friend died, and like you know, that's tragic. I don't think I would ever go on. I don't think I would ever try to make it a uh, movie. So
0: here, I had this and there's a weird parallel with Elwood in this. It's not because there's no mission for God in this movie. It's literally just Elwood trying to get the band back together. And just like Ackroyd, all Elwood is trying to do is recapture that magic from 1980. And it's a real sad version of that. Yeah,
3: but yeah, he's if chasing he would, the if, dragon hard. If,
1: If he would like you know, again, I'm coming in dark so you guys can talk over me, but if if there was some sort of play in with the Belushi angle that showed some sort of like heartfelt sentiment that he wasn't there anymore,
0: it would have landed home a whole lot better. That's the opening scene where Elwood is told, Hey, Jake is dead and he breaks down a little bit by fucking Yoda.
2: Yeah. It is Yoda. The word of the That's gonna
0: that's gonna fuck with my trivia later, but we'll save it. All right, look, we we know that this movie deserved a flop. That's not a question.
1: Yeah, we don't need that.
0: yeah, but <laughs> but what I want to ask is, what what were the biggest problems? Like, what made this crash and burn so hard that having literally a super team, of the greatest blues musicians that ever existed, musicians that ever existed, couldn't help this movie. Uh,
3: there's three things that really bothered me about this movie. Um, and I've mentioned, I think, it, all of them already, but I'll, I'll recap them quickly. One, it makes no use of the 90s setting, which I think could have been entertaining. That's true. Of, I like that thought, of, actually. Because of the dated sensibilities of the core cast, it would have been funny to do a fish-out-of-water thing with them, with them in the 90s. Two, you don't get that strong emotional satisfaction that Mary McCheese just referred to. Like, if they had made this more about, hey, this is, you know, Elwood trying to heal after losing Jake and trying to and trying to bring the back the band back together because he thinks it's important because that's what Jake would have wanted. If there was a stronger emotional drive to the plot, that would have made it a different movie. And three, if they would have made it funny. Like, I don't, I just don't, they've got all these good talented actors and, and actresses in this movie and they were funny in the first movie but the material the script the dialogue and this is just utter crap and it shows the dialogue's terrible there's no chemistry between the characters and the humor falls flat it like literally every turn except for when Dan Aykroyd's face pops out of the ashtray
1: again I'm I, I don't know the first movie so I have nothing to compare to there but the the toughest part in this movie for me is when they made it that weird turn to the fantastical. I can accept the the country fair thing, but everything with Eric Badu on just gets more and more ridiculous and crazy.
0: Really? And like what? Well, I mean, by the time there was a car submarine, a flaming loop car, a remote control car, oh shit, but, the flaming loop car. Uh, I, yeah, what, what was that? Like the, the, that the, the magical costume change. By that point, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. They're zombies. That makes sense.
1: But there's only so many, there's only so far that SNL will go with their craziness. Like, they only take it to a point, if you will. And while they might take it to various crazy points, it's not like a constant extrapolation on like, all right, this was crazy, let's make it crazier, let's make it crazier, let's make it crazier. Let's make Erika Badu a voodoo princess who can turn people into zombies or rats.
0: Listen, to be fair, of the people out there who might be voodoo princesses, I would give it to Erica Badu, uh Kesha, and then Kelly Loffler. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's from Georgia. That doesn't count. You don't get to be a good That counts hard.
3: In Georgia. She's actually she's actually born in Illinois. Oh, that makes it grosser. Carpetbagger. I hate Illinois Nazis.
0: <laughs> uh, nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It I,
2: I referenced it earlier. Aykroyd looks tired, his heart's not in it. He might have thought this was a good idea when he sat down and wrote this with John Landis, but clearly once they started making it, like, there's no magic here. Like, the person that he formed this with is gone and it's a tragic thing, and there's no amount of passage of time that's gonna change that Belushi was a huge part of this and and without him it isn't a thing.
0: It just—it's just not. Yeah, no, that's a great point because, it, like, this movie doesn't exist without Dan Aykroyd working his dick off to get this movie made. But then he gets there and he's got studio notes and everything else, and it like, this movie makes me question: Was Dan Aykroyd ever funny, or could Dan Aykroyd act?
3: And I know well, he yes. can. Well, yeah, this movie. It, the problem is his character's the straight man. Yeah, and he plays the straight man as the lead in this, with no comic foil, no, you know, energetic, charismatic dynamo next to him. Yeah, you and, need you need the Tasmanian devil, right? And to the Thunderous Wizards' point, they threw in a bunch of characters, but they didn't do anything with them. They didn't. There wasn't a clear um, counterpoint to Aykroyd's character and there's other problems with the movie but again i think if they had addressed in the film head on that the 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 hole left by the lack of belushi it might have made the movie more emotional it might have been more satisfying that way but you still got to find a way to make it funny you can't just turn this into a drama right like i want to be clear here i'm not advocating this movie should have been a drama about everyone trying to heal after losing jake but if they would address that head on i think it would have benefited the film because you need something there, and I'll steal the Thunderous Wizards recommendation. I mean, yeah, they could have gone the, the lazy route and just thrown Chris Farley in there. All right, I'm going to gonna I'm gonna give it to Mayor McGee's, and then we're moving
0: on to the next I was, one. I
1: was about to say, and this is going to parry off of what Chumpzilla just said. Essentially, if you would have taken Tommy Boy and tried to make a Tommy Boy 2K with no Chris Farley and David Spade and a bunch of fill-ins, it would have been awful. And I think this is stronger because Aykroyd can kind of carry things a little bit stronger, but that's exactly what you're going for. Fair. I mean you you lost your giant funny man, and now you're just kind of trying to fill the gaps, and you're never gonna fill that gap.
0: Oh no, that's a good that's a really good point. Now, I, we've talked around this next bit a little bit, but I wanna also just ask, what songs did you enjoy, if any of them? What songs did you fucking loathe? Uh, our resident musician, our actual musician, Chumzilla, let's start with you. What song did you like?
3: What song were you like? No, 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 no. My favorite song in the movie is not one of the musical numbers. It's actually the Taj Mahal rendition of John the Revelator that plays over the opening of the movie. Hard agree. Which, Hard agree. Which parallels uh, the original Blues Brothers McCheese. You get another Taj Mahal song that plays over the opening of that film as well. Yeah, all the musical numbers in this movie are forgettable. They're not terrible. Some of them are technically well-performed, but uh, they're not good. They're not good. I mean, Taj Mahal's Revelator is is really, really tight. What, what was what was your no-good one? Oh, my, by far my least favorite, I'm sorry, uh, is the uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky. Really? Uh, again, okay, really why? not bluegrass. Not bluegrass. It doesn't I, make sense fair. in the movie totally apes off of the rawhide scene from the first one yeah, was, and is all as, as weird as everything gets in this movie as all the fantastical stuff happens this, the weird claymation cowboy scope ghost skeletons bleh, it's a bridge too far i didn't know what movie i was watching okay
1: i'm gonna go the other direction and I, I actually really liked ghost riders um yeah it, it doesn't quite fit the theme and I'll. i'm going with the music alone um and i'm not going to factor in the final erica badu battle because both of those blue songs are fantastic but nothing else in this song really hit for me or nothing else in this movie really hit for me
0: okay what what, what was your no good why is it here
1: i can't pin it down I, I mean i honestly would have to rewatch this and probably rewatch the first movie just to compare it to what it should have been um that's fair but i I, did, I mean there wasn't any song that at any point in time i was like oh my god this is fucking i mean there were some that i didn't enjoy but they weren't so bad that i was put off if you will
2: all right thunderous wizard sorry chumps but i like the ghost riders as well I think most of the other musical numbers aside from the Louisiana Gator boys facing off the blues brothers at the end are, are pretty awful. There's no energy to them at all. Uh, even Aretha Franklin's is totally phoned in. Uh, they're just, they just, they're flat, but it's John Popper in the back alley for no fucking reason whatsoever. Why, that, yeah. why is no, he here? That's, that's a real
0: good point of all of the, of the, of the songs you could have excised. You just, you, here's your random Blues Travelers video. Yeah, that one doesn't even count.
3: <laughs> like, it's not <laughs> that's, even your, it's disqualified from the
0: competition. Yeah, your main characters aren't even physically there to hear it.
3: Nope. Yep. I, I, I this might it's come up later. Body so body. I don't, I hate to spoil it, but there's one reason, one reason only Blues Traveler was in this movie. It's because they had him, uh, John Popper do the harmonica bits for the little kid. Yeah, So no, when you see that's the little kid right. during Ghost Riders play the harmonica, that's Popper. actually John Popper. I
1: yeah. would like everyone on the pod to agree that John Popper is the best harmonica player you've ever
0: heard. I mean, that's true. I, I can't. I, I'm
3: sorry, have you heard Dylan wheeze into one before?
0: <laughs> I have, in person. Yeah. It's still on Popper's side.
2: This movie's a lot funnier if John Popper's the orphan kid.
0: <laughs> I oh. <laughs> I agree. I would actually, I would very much like to see Holy that. Shit. I think I
3: think we just fixed the movie. There we go. Yeah. And there's that '90s angle I wanted. Perfect. Yep. Uh, for me, I, like I, I think I. Yeah. Agree so wait her. a minute. Hold on. Let's let's say forget Miles Dyson. How much better is this movie if we find out that John Popper is Jake Blues and Carrie Fisher's kid?
0: That okay. That would have been fantastic. But that relies on the fact that John Popper can act.
1: But think about how good the music would have been. That's a good point. If John John Popper's writing it and just having them all back him up.
2: Yeah. It's not like you were trading DiCaprio for Popper.
3: This kid couldn't act
0: either. That
3: kid went on to do nothing else.
0: (laughs) Get me my goddamn time machine. We're about to save Blues Brothers 2000. All right, let's play Dan Aykroyd for just a second. You can convince a movie studio to finance fucking anyone you just want to jam with, even if you're not a musician. You can just you can listen to this person play. You can hang out and get someone else to pay for it. Who is your Louisiana Gator boy? Let's go, thunderous wizard.
2: Uh, it's Eddie Better.
0: Oh, damn, that's Ed- a good call.
2: Eddie's the man. I have a co- I have a coffee cup with his quote: "I'll ride the wave where it takes me." I use that coffee cup every Sunday
0: to feel better about life. I feel like... Eddie rules. I feel like I just learned that uh, the Thunderous Wizard might actually be Adam Sandler as Opera Man.
3: A little bit. A little bit. Uh, Okay. I've been to several Pearl Jam shows, and I can confirm Eddie Vedder seems like a pretty cool dude.
2: Yep. He gets real drunk, and he talks to the crowd a ton. Mm -hmm. He's very engaging. He's incredible. And our political sensibilities closely aligned. Which would make up a great. Hangout. What you're trying to
0: say is that maybe you're not gay, but there comes a time in every man's life when he has to question his own sexuality. Yeah.
1: Thund- yeah. Thunderous wizard, did you ever hear Kurt Cobain's quote about Eddie Vedder? No, I
2: don't think I don't think I have. So
1: apparently, you know, they both were in the Seattle, uh, I guess, grunge scene, if you will, and someone asked Kurt Cobain, "Have you ever, you know, what are your thoughts on Eddie Vedder?" And he goes, "Oh, I love the dude, but I fucking hate his band." <laughs>
3: <laughs> Which I'd like to point out that um, <clears throat> Kurt Cobain had a very carefully curated image. He was a very calculated guy. He definitely played up being the counter culture guy, like the anti-establishment, anti media, anti music industry thing. That was his shtick. It's <clears throat> a great. I mean, it's a great quote. Yeah, so yeah, no, exactly, no, and that fits in with him exactly. I mean, that's, if I'm, that's if perfect. I'm it right, I might be getting it terrible. No, no, yeah, I think you're right. All
0: right, yeah, all right. Cobain's
3: a it. complex dude.
0: Let me kick it to uh, Chumzilla now. The caveat here, and I didn't do this before, but the person that has to like the deal is you do it now. So who who is still kicking that I'm without living. supernatural powers? Without supernatural oh, powers. Who's your Louisiana Gator Boys person?
3: Uh you know that's a really tough one because um, you know there's a lot of dead people I'd like to jam with. Nope, got to be living. Um, studio's got to pay them. Yeah, they gotta be. You gotta be able to pay them. That's a tough one, because you know me. I'm I'm a lame, like college, like rock guy. Oh, OAR. Uh, but, OAR. Yeah.
2: They're
3: yeah. Still still How is it not Mojo Nixon? You can
1: always take a break, and I can go. But I'm also gonna phone it in because I didn't realize we're doing this live and dead rule.
3: Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I didn't either, because I was gonna go with uh, either Warren Zevon or uh, John Prine, who we lost this year to COVID.
1: Well, we can
3: um, always we no. can always just we can always circumvent uh, cap and cash. You can pick no. who you want. Pick
0: who you want. Um, yeah. Listen, you know, I listen. Would... couldn't pick who he wanted. If he could, it would have been John Belushi.
3: Ackroyd rules. Go. Yeah, no, I would definitely. I'm a sucker. I would like to hang out with Jack Johnson because he okay. seems like a really chill dude, and he lives in Hawaii. So I definitely want to like film, you know, at his place. No, that's a good Uh question. They that
0: way, too. It's his joint.
3: Yeah, and yeah, I, I do dig his, like, you know, acoustic, island, rock stuff. Like, I'm a sucker for that. I love Bubble Toes and Flake. His first album's great. All right. Merrick Cheese. Mighty Merrick
1: Cheese. I mean, this is tough. I want to make it in the blues category, but I don't know who's alive and dead anymore.
0: It doesn't have to be blues category. It's straight up anybody you want.
1: No, I mean, but... I mean, I'm not a big, big men, hey, big hey, music, big men, big music. No, none of them.
3: Uh, I mean, definitely. Hey, hang out with Akron's my, finest, man. Hang out with the Black Keys. No.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm fairly sure Clapton's still alive. I would go with Clapton to start with. Um,
3: yes, Clapton is still alive. Yeah, I, I mean. Like
1: Captain,
0: Clapton's kind of a dick, though. He's yeah,
1: a huge well, dick. I mean, I, I, I don't know what I'm really answering this question for dr. John because he's,
3: he's, dead. Dead. he's, he's, yeah, he's dead. dead he's dead
1: um, this year muddy I'm assuming muddy waters is dead
0: I'd have to google it but doesn't feel good I'm trying to, I'm trying, trying to give you some bluesy. it does it again that's the whole point it doesn't have to be bluesy we got fucking Eddie Vetter and Jack Johnson but I'd rather it
2: have be
1: I mean I'd rather it be bluesy because I don't think any of you want to hang out with the entire band of Mastodon.
2: Oh, he's long dead. Yeah. Muddy Waters?
1: I'm
0: assuming so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Mastodon. So, yes, I'm going. That is.
1: Then, yes. No, I'm. uh, My blues, my blues choices are gone. I'm going with the entire band of Mastodon.
0: Listen, there's one very obvious choice, and all of you are wrong.
3: The answer is Bob Dylan. (laughs) Bob Dylan.
1: Vamp, van 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 van. Nobel
3: Prize-winning Bob Dylan.
0: I have seen Bob Dylan in concert, and what I can tell you is, that man liked drugs. <laughs> well, Cassius you've also James seen James Jacob Dylan in concert, so. I have. I have seen Jacob Dylan.
3: <laughs> so, I,
0: <clears> I really <throat> like the Wallflowers.
3: Ugh. Ugh. Quick story time with Uncle Chumzilla. Because of the Thunderous Wizards uh, choice of Eddie Vedder, I have a great story. I saw those guys play, it would have been like the summer of 97, I want to say, 97, 98 maybe. And their second album had just come out, Versus. And they were playing the on the Jumbotron in, in Indianapolis. They were playing the clips of Bill Clinton saying, oh, I never had sexual relations with that woman. And then they... Ripped right into Better Man and dedicated it to Hillary. Oh. It was that's kind of awesome, actually. It was all tongue in cheek. It was for Eddie Vedder was like, you know, having a lot of fun with it. And he's like, all right, you know, he's talking to the crowd and stuff as the clip was airing. And he's like, All right, well, this one's for Hillary. And they roll right into Better Man. You know. I mean, that again. It's pretty good. Listen, fuck the establishment somewhat. Well, yeah. Hey. Hey, hey, you know what? When you're, you're in that kind of office, uh, you're not above criticism or being no, called out. No, absolutely not. Shit.
0: Absolutely
3: not. All right. I um, saw him in 2012, and he told,
2: and it was right before the election, and he just said, just remember, do the right thing. Do the right thing.
1: He just said, Thunders, Wizard, I love you.
2: Yeah. I would. And, mouth, and then he brought me on right stage. Right if and, if I, could.
1: Uh, I know you're in the audience <laughs> yeah. right now, and I'd come out there and French kiss you on the mouth.
2: Yeah, he said. I smiled and said,
0: "I'm in love with you." And I said, "What, Eddie? You can't right, be me, serious." Me? What? No. I, in, well, no actually, no, no, no. I, I'd like to address <laughs> Mary McCheese's. I would French kiss you on the mouth, as opposed to.
3: <laughs> I mean, you do the math there.
0: Right. There, there are Listener. at least three options, I guess.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe five so, if you're Randy. Well. True story. <laughs> uh, True story, how many times
1: do you French kiss a famous artist?
2: Mary McCheese would French What's kiss Dan Aykroyd if his, if his mouth was in a cigarette ashtray of a car.
1: Just drive by. <laughs> what a dumb scene. Um,
3: yeah. Also, at that uh, Pearl Jam concert, the opening act was Iggy Pop, who was really? riding high on the uh, little bit Carol? of fame... He, well, yeah, that too, maybe. But yeah, no, uh, <clears throat> Lust for Life had been on the train spotting soundtrack. So he'd gotten back on the charts. So it was uh. charting again. So he was sort of a thing for a hot minute. And he got really upset because the crowd was ignoring his set. And he started cursing at us and like, hey, fuck you guys. You don't know what good music is. Turn around. Look over here. Come on. What's wrong with you people? <laughs>
0: And we're well, like, yeah,
3: we're here for Pearl Jam.
0: <laughs> on that sad and terrible note, let's take a quick break and we come back. We're going to do some trivia. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office of Slops, and we are closing out this pod with some trivia for Blues Brothers 2000, or as I like to call it, Trivia Works in Mysterious Ways. So I've got five, count them, five trivia questions for you. Multiple choice. Uh, The winner of tonight's trivia challenge will take home an enamel pin with the goddamn Lobster Johnson claw, comma brand. So chime in with a Blues Brothers hit it. Number one, not counting the titular brothers. How many original members of the Blues Brothers Band are there? Extra point for each member member of the band you can name. Is it A, 10, B, 13, C, 16, or is it D, 19? Hit it. Over to the thunderous, I'm sorry, over to Chumzilla.
3: I'm going with, I believe it was A, 10.
0: That is incorrect, sir. All right. Shot in the dark. What's oh, the rest?
1: What's the rest? I wasn't really paying attention.
0: So how many members of the original band were there? Your remaining choices are 13, 16, or 19. And if you are Hit correct, it. for each member of the band you can name, I will give you an additional point. Hit it. All right. Over to the Thunderous Wizard. Thirteen. Thirteen is correct. That's
2: what I was going to go with.
0: Ah, oh, very nice. Okay, okay. Uh, how many members can you yeah, name without uh, significant pause?
3: He's I definitely. That's zero. That's excluding the titular brothers, correct?
0: Yes. Ex- yes. Yeah. So Jake and yeah. Elwood do not count. Anyone else? I mean, there's Willie. Willie, yes, that counts. Uh, well,
2: I can't remember uh, everybody's
0: four, name. Three, two, one. Aretha, All
2: right. Aretha, that's Aretha Franklin.
1: She's not. That is incorrect. You're, right? you're possible. They had Animal on now,
0: drums. Now.
1: Ooh, yes, Animal.
0: Listen, the electric panic. I, I I, would love to do a Muppets movie at some point. But uh, to be completely fair with you, arguably you could say that there were 14 members of the band because they switched the piano player with Paul Schaefer uh, and I, I think it was um, uh, Murphy Dunn. But ultimately, you had Steve Cropper, Donald Duck, Don, Murphy Dunn. Willie Too Big Hall, Steve Jordan, Birch Johnson, Tom Malone, Blue Lou Marini, Matt Guitar Murphy, Alan Mr. Fabulous Rubin, Paul the Shiv Schaefer of Letterman fame, uh, and then Tom Scott.
1: I don't, I don't want to make this pot any longer than it needs to be, but can we take a half second to discuss what the fuck Paul Schaefer was doing here? For half the thing, he had an accent, it was screaming, and then half it was Paul Schaefer, and then... Was he in the original movie? Did I miss that? I mean, no, he, no, he, he no. Actually, no, weirdly,
0: tell he tell was... Me. No, no, I got it. He got was it? not cool. in the original movie. Uh, for whatever... He was tied up... I think, uh, actually, the Thunders, or Sorry, Chumzilla had mentioned this, that he was in a, a separate thing... And was he, unable to appear in the first movie, so they got Murphy
3: Dunn. Yeah, so I can tell you exactly why. <clears throat> he was working with Gilda Radner on her one-woman show, and he had obligations to her. So Belushi actually fired him from the Blues Brothers Band because— Paul Schaefer. Uh, Paul, he yeah. yeah, Paul Schaefer. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, again, in 1980. Because—
3: well, yeah, yeah, because he felt like he was too focused on Gilda Radner's thing because Paul Schaefer actually had a huge crush. He was in love with Gilda Radner. Hmm. Um, she was not interested. It was unrequited love. So anyway, so he didn't make it to the first movie. He did work with them on their SNL skits on yep. keyboards and as a music director to a certain degree. Right. So that was kind of like, you know, Aykroyd got him to be in this movie. Uh, well, what, I mean, and fun what, confused fact,
1: me in, what confused me in this movie, he goes from having, like, a weird accent at the beginning and, like, a headdress yes, yes. and all that shit, and, no then, and then he goes to being Paul Schaefer, and then,
0: like, it's just it so no confusing. Sense.
3: Yeah, it you doesn't know, make the, any the sense. The answer no there reason. is
0: Paul Schaefer is a band leader and a piano player, not an actor.
3: Okay. Yeah, and so fun fact, McCheese, he had hair before this movie. He shaved his head for this role and kept it. He was like, yeah, you know what? This works for me. This this look is good. This is a good look. And then he he just
1: landed on Letterman every night from then on out.
0: Uh, No, he actually took a break from Letterman to work on this show. But we're moving on. Uh, Number two. For a time, Jim Belushi acted as the replacement brother for John in the band. He didn't appear in 2000 because he had a TV commitment at the time. What was the name of Jim Belushi's blues brother? Hit it. All right. Well, I mean, I'll, if you don't want to take it, we'll give it over to Chumzilla. Z Blues. Z Blues is correct. Z-E-E
2: Blues.
1: I thought it was Bag-of-shit Blues, but...
0: Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was Junior... Canine Blues. <laughs> Dick Bag Blues. <laughs> According to Blues. According to Blues. <laughs> blues. Yeah, blue Waffles. Yep. All right. Number three. We kind of already spoiled this, but Carrie Fisher famously appeared in the first Blues Brothers movie, at which point she actually became engaged to Dan Aykroyd. Jesus Christ, what a step down from Harrison Ford. Uh, but that's far, far from the only Star Wars connection that the Blues Brothers movies have. Which other Star Wars alum had a bit part in both the original and 2K Bonus point if you can tell me what character they play. Hit it. All right, Chumzilla. Yeah.
3: It's Frank Oz. It is Frank Oz. What is his character? He plays the cop that inventories uh, Jake's possessions when he's released from prison in the first movie, and then he's the warden in Blues Brothers 2000, which is is an indication that he's been promoted and time has passed. Yes, this is one used prophylactic. Excellent. <laughs>
0: All right. Number four. I mean, Mayor McCheese, you're, you're way out of this, but Thunderous Wizard, you still got a chance. Don't I have
3: two? He does. You do,
0: you do absolutely have two. You have two to Chumzilla's three. Yeah. Number four. Which other child actor was offered the part of Buster Blues? Was it A, Macaulay Culkin? Was it B, Jake Lloyd? Was it C, Haley Joel Osment? Was it D. Jonathan Lipnicki. Hit it. Oh, give it to Mayor McCheese. Hail to Joe Osmond. That is incorrect.
3: I'm in the ashtray. Hit it.
0: Uh, what we are looking for was hit it. Boo. This feels like Jake Lloyd. That is incorrect, sir. It's McCullough. Hit it. It yeah. is the cultster. It's the yeah. Culkster. They offered it to Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. God
1: damn it. I was going to guess I that. wasn't
0: sure if he was too old. He was. I thought something. he was too
1: but old. Then I guess... I thought I was... That's why I didn't guess it.
0: No, he's, he straight up declined because he had retired
3: from acting at that point at age Dude. like 13. That's Dude false. He's actually the kid mopping the floor in the sex call, the sex the sex line scene. No, that's a that's like a
2: legit blues.
3: Oh guy. That is a legit blues. <laughs> J- it's John Lang. Literally, everyone in this film
0: is a legit blues guy. Everyone
1: that was and, well, and the, can we take a second here to? I I understand he's probably a legit blues guy, but that was super off putting when it first happened because when he started singing, I thought they were just dubbing over this tiny white janitor's face onto like a blues singer's body.
2: <laughs> I... Well, the big problem with all of this is, yes, it had a higher production budget, but it's so clear everybody's lip syncing, and it's you know it's being recorded later. It's it's not audio synced well at all. He's also sitting on a fucking a dolly, not a dolly, but a, a flatbed playing guitar that's not plugged into anything. I mean,
1: I'm not trying, I'm it's not a trying problem. to shit on the dude. I mean, if he's a good singer, he's a good singer. But, like, the way the movie made it portrayed out, like, when I first saw him, I'm like, what the
2: fuck is this? It's the
3: movie's fault. Wait, it The movie ha- does not cut this audio well at all. No, and the editing in general is terrible. Wait, so wait, you're telling me that wasn't Kenny Wayne Shepard? John Lang. Kenny John- Wayne Shepard,
0: gotcha. Sarah Michelle Gellar. All right, last one. Number five. 2000 set a world record for most car crashes during filming. A record it took from the original film. 2K crashed about 104 cars. The original, 103. Which film took the record from Blues Brothers 2000?
2: Okay, I'll just say hit it. I'm just going to be an ass like Chumpzilla. It's G.I. Joe. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Uh, it
0: is G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, Chumpzilla took the win with four to The Thunderous Wizards 3. If you could have named literally two other members of the Blues Brothers band, it would have been you, Thunderous Wizard, getting the goddamn Lobster Johnson pin. Instead, it's coming to Chumpzilla in three to five business days or whenever I get it in the mail. All right, that brings us to a close. Uh, Let's do some recommendations around the horn uh, with the brief caveat that we all agree you should fucking watch the original Blues Brothers movie. It is a much better film. It's it's funny. It's, it's really, 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 really good. The music is fantastic. Don't watch this movie. Watch that one. Over to Thunderous Wizard. What is your pick this week?
2: Okay, so this just came out last year, 2020. That's weird to say, last year, 2020, but uh, it's a documentary just called Belushi. It's about the life of, of John Belushi, the roller coaster life of John Belushi. It's a, it's a very good documentary. Uh, it's available and watched free on Showtime right now, or you can, I think, you have to buy it if you don't have Showtime. But it's good. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with Belushi, he truly was a force of nature. And, it, you know, it's just gone too soon. It's a tragic thing. But. We've got the movies to remember. Fair enough.
0: Memory cheese.
1: Keep it in the blues category and skipping this entire movie. I would recommend going and listening to the Last Waltz by the band, because it's fucking great.
2: Big men, big Fuck music off. should
3: be heard. <laughs> All
0: right, and Chumzilla, what's your recommendation this week?
3: Well, to stick with the musical theme, I'm going to recommend everybody check out John Prine's. 2005 performance on Austin City Limits. I'm a big fan of Austin City Limits. It's a public broadcasting program where they have musicians come on and play uh, a live set in front of a studio audience. It's great. Tons of great bands and famous performers have all come through and done Austin City Limits. It's awesome. It's one of the greatest public broadcasting programs there is. And John Prine is a great American songwriter. And he passed away this year due to complications from COVID. So we lost, a, or last year that is, in 2020. So that was a big loss for the music community. And yeah, check it out. John Prine's 2005 performance on Austin City Limits. It's on YouTube. You can catch it for free. Excellent. I'm going to recommend the N64
0: game, the Blues Brothers 2000, which (laughs) I'm fucking kidding. That that was terrible. But what you should actually do is check out the blues legend John Lee Hooker. Poker had a track on the original Blues Brothers album, Boom, 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 but like he's quintessential blues. It, if you want to get a feel for what the, the whole thing of the original Blues Brothers and what carried that 20 years into the future of why we need to do another movie, it's his music. Check it out on YouTube. Check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever bullshit streaming service you use.
3: And I'll add, uh, he was the inspiration behind the Blues Brothers' fedoras. Exactly correct. Fedoras and glasses. That was John Lee Hooker. Mm-hmm.
0: That's it for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thanks to Goose Island for this delicious beer, the Bourbon County Imperial Stout. Thank you for listening. Uh, next up, we have McGruber for our second in the round of Saturday Night Flops. What do you think of the pod? Leave us a review on iTunes, and please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thunderous Wizard, one more time, if they want to reach out and touch you, where do they find you? Uh, When I'm not in Illinois State Prison, at writerTLK on
3: Twitter. And Chumpzilla? You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. And Mayor McCheese?
1: If Erica Badu will release me, you can find me on HBOF
0: McCheese. And as always, you can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H We do sincerely hope you enjoyed the show, and please remember, people, no matter who you are and what you do, to live, thrive, and survive these terrible films, there are still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody, everybody.